Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. I just want to talk about actually Christianity and baptism today. Uh, the last two weeks I've been talking about uh, you are created for kingdom effectiveness and everybody, I want to encourage you, if you're not a Christian, uh, you're not a churchgoer, can I just say this to you right now? You're very welcome at Global Heart Church every weekend. We have four services every weekend. We have an 8 a.m. service, which was wonderful this morning. 8 a.m. is a little bit of a quieter service, but we've designed that purposefully, that it's going to just suit some people. Got Friday night. Uh, Jordan just preached on Friday night. Friday night, you want to be there. If you can be there Friday night, uh, Jordan preached such a funny, but such an insightful, helpful word on Friday night. And again, people receiving Christ. If you can be here Friday night, shake off the cold because there's something hot happening at church. And uh, this Friday night, I'm going to be praying for people to be filled with the Holy Spirit after the service. So if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, come along. We're going to pray for you on Friday night. But uh, think about bringing an unsafe friend because God's doing something great Friday nights. And, uh, and so I've been talking about kingdom effectiveness because you're designed for it. But also to we are called to serve Jesus Christ and to be in a great relationship with him. So if you, can, if you haven't been with us the last two weeks, can I just encourage you to try and get online and listen to both my messages because the last two weekends I've been doing two life messages that if you hear them, I really think they're going to help you to do what God's called you to do. A lot of people are confused. What do I do as a Christian? How do I be when it comes to church? How do I operate as a Christian? How do I go to church? What's my relationship with God got to be like? The last two weeks I've done two like what I call two of my life messages where I'm really talking about things that really have impacted me to be firstly in a relationship with God and then to walk into God's plan for my life. In case you didn't know it, in case you didn't know, because a lot of people don't know it, I didn't know it, God's designed you with a plan in mind. God's designed you with a plan in mind. God's not looking at your life and thinking, gee, what am I going to do with this person? You've actually been designed for kingdom effectiveness, which what does that mean? It means in God's house, uh, his church, that you would be somebody God uses in the church. People got all different gifts, hospitality gifts. We saw people serving. We saw people singing. We see people working with the children. We've all got these different gifts, but God designed them. And he's designed you to be kingdom effective in his house, but then also designed us to be out in the community in various careers. And uh, that's uh, our, the second part of our ministry is out in the community, doing what you are called and gifted, gifted to do. Find your top gift and people will pay you for it. But you just need to realize that you didn't come up with the gift. God gave it to you. So all of us have probably got two or three top gifts. Find your top one, do it. That, that'll be your passion as well. It'll be a passion, but you do it and people actually will pay you for that. So that's a great thing. But I want to talk about Christianity. I want to talk about, in light of our water baptism here, that Christianity, everybody, just so you know, Christianity, as I said last week, is not a philosophy first. And when you hear the word philosophy, that means the study of general and fundamental questions about existence. So the questions about existence, life, eternity, Christianity was never designed to be a philosophy first. It's a relationship first. Christianity is a relationship first. If it's a philosophy, you go to all your questions first and you say, God, when you answer all my questions, then I'll consider you. But Christianity is a relationship first, so in a relationship, you go to the person first. 
you go to the person first. So if you go to Jesus first, everybody, here's what I discovered, because I've been doing this for 39 years. Somebody who wasn't a Christian, didn't understand God, didn't understand Jesus, the Bible, church, had no clue about it. And what I did was, at the end of my 10 years, was go to Jesus. And then for the last 39 years, God has been answering my questions. So can I encourage you? He wants to answer them, but it's a relationship first. Otherwise, even when he answers the questions, because we're not spiritually born again, you actually won't understand the answer. In Ezekiel 36, this was uh, prophesied 600 BC. So this prophecy from Ezekiel is 2,600 years old. And I'm going to declare it today. This is God speaking of what he was going to do. And in Ezekiel 36, verse 26, he says, And I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. Wow. If ever we needed that, that's what we need right now in the day that we live in. And God has said, I'm going to give you a new heart. When you're born by the Holy Spirit, baptized by the Holy Spirit, born into my kingdom, I'm going to give you a new spirit. I'm going to give you a new heart. Take out your old heart, the stony heart, stubborn heart, and I'm going to give you a tender, responsive heart. Anybody in our 10 a.m. service, 10 a.m. family today, you became a Christian and you discovered your heart softening to your surprise? <laughs> Where's the surprised people that your heart started to soften? And, uh, and I discovered my heart suffering, softening when I was actually very hard-hearted, very angry when I became a Christian. Re actually, before I became a Christian, very resistant to Christianity, in fact. And then I became a Christian, and I found my heart starting to soften, much to the point that I'd come to church, and uh, I'd be having tears at the end of the service, and tears in the worship when we're singing to God. And people were always coming to pray for me for depression. Are you depressed, Jared? We'll pray for you. And I said, no, I'm happy. Go away. <laughs> Leave me alone. Had people being helpful. They were all meaningful and trying to be helpful to me. But in actual fact, I wasn't unhappy. I was happy. My heart was coming alive, and now I had tears coming uh, down my face in church at the end of my teen years as God began to do exactly that, gave me a new heart, and took out my stony, stubborn, unresponsive heart and began to give me a tender, responsive heart. Everybody, too, by the way, that word stubborn there. I used to think stubbornness, I just will say it, I said in the last service, I used to think stubbornness was a great quality. Our family, you know, you'd say, well, we're a stubborn people. Anybody ever say that in your family? Well, we're stubborn, we're proud. This is how we are, we're stubborn people. <laughs> and, you know, and my heritage is some of yours is Irish background. Well, I just be, you know, we're a proud, stubborn people. <laughs> and... Uh, and then, uh, you know, and I know some of you have got cultures like that too. Your cultural background made you kind of, well, that's how we are. We're proud of being stubborn. And the only problem with that is I do like to do investigation. And can I encourage you, forensic investigation into words is a great thing. And I began to look up words, and I looked up the word stubborn, and it meant naive. I thought being stubborn meant you were smart, but it actually meant you were naive. Uh, it meant you were green. Green means <laughs> not mature. And then it, I went on to read the definition of the word stubborn as I started to look into the root of that word because that's how I was. And it said, listen to this, uneducated. Stubborn people are uneducated. And then here's the final whammy that really got me. 
stubbornness men illiterate regarding the real issues of life. Who thinks we now need some prayer for that stubborn heart to be finally delivered? It actually means illiterate regarding what is really important in life. I was like, Lord, help me and <laughs> help deliver me of stubbornness. But Lord, what, what is in me, in my genetics of that, in who I am, Lord, help me to use it to stand for you. If you're going to be stubborn, everybody, use it to be determined to stand for God. Use it to be determined to be planted in God's house. Because uh, if you're going to make it as a Christian, you cannot do it on your own. And if you've had any kind of brokenness or addiction, uh, like where I came from, you have got to be like, Lord, I'm here. Help me to be stable and become stable in your house. Not all over the place, not in church one minute, gone for five, back again, gone. No, I discovered stability releases your ability. And God's put ability in us, but stability in God's kingdom will release your ability. And that's exactly what God has done for me. So everybody, God's come to put in us a tender, responsive heart. At the end of our service, I'm going to give you an opportunity to be included in a prayer. And that prayer is to get to know God. And it's not a hard thing. The Bible tells us if we confess Jesus Christ, a lot of people think, well, I've got to be holy. I've got to be this. I've got to be perfect. I've got to go do that. No, no, no. Salvation comes through confession. Romans 10, 9 says, if we confess with our mouth, believe in our heart, God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. So eternal life comes through faith and confession, belief in Jesus Christ, belief that God raised him from the dead, and confessing that brings about salvation. Wow, that takes the pressure off. Because I said, oh, i got to be holy. i got to be, if I go to church, I have to be a holy person. And I knew that was not possible. <laughs> and so, and the good news is, when I did become a Christian, it's God's Holy Spirit in me began to, what's, let's give you the Aussie paraphrase, clean up my act. Because I couldn't clean it up. I couldn't clean up my mouth or my life. But the Holy Spirit in me began to do that work. You know, you'll know that you've had real salvation, everybody. If you're saying, how do I know if I'm a real Christian? How do I know that's happened in my life? Well, one thing is, uh, you move from people approval to God approval. So many people are ruled by what does so-and-so think? What does she think? What does he think? We're so insecure. I've got to have somebody in my life who's approving me. I've got to have the girlfriend, the boyfriend, the person, that person, everybody approving me. I've got to make everybody, I've got to do and say everything that makes everybody happy. Many times we're not happy, but making anybody else happy. And when you get the real deal and I became a Christian, Suddenly that began to drop off me, and we all want to be liked, I want to be liked, but suddenly the priority in my life was, Lord, am I making you happy? Everything became about God approval, and I want to encourage you, you know that you've been born again, because now it's about, is this making God happy? Is this what the Lord's plan is for me? And, uh, and the fear of man, which the Bible says is a snare. Some of you this morning, you are captured by what people think. You, some, you know, um, all of our social media, sometimes you see people on Instagram and there's a lot of great people and things to look at and some of it's really interesting, but you'll see people and you can see that their life is ruled by approval and by what people think and they'll do everything they can to their body in the hope somebody will like and approve. Guess what? That drops away when you're really born again, as the Bible says, and you're like, Lord, have I got your approval? Because, Father, that's ultimately the only thing that really matters to me. And that's a great place to be because peace and health and life flood your heart, your soul, your mind, your emotions. 
In Christ, our old way of life is gone. In Romans, it says that we've been buried in Christ. Our old life is buried, hidden in Christ. I like that. The Bible says your old life's been buried, it's been hidden. When I was a kid, my family, as I said, you know, Irish Catholic background, but, you know, we kind of, I dropped that off as a, you know, out of primary school. I was done with church and everything else. But my family, we would spend many a picnic at the graveyard. <laughs> so... What a childhood I had. This is this, that's on and on complex, right? I could be in counseling forever. But we would take a picnic blanket to the graveyard, not like I remember seeing my grandfather and my father, don't walk on the grave, don't walk on the grave, you know, and I'd always be horrified. I was going to walk on a grave and have some kind of zombie pop up or something, and it would be my fault. But there was something about being in the place of the dead. I don't know what it was about that was kind of in the culture of the family. Look, I think some of it was to honor people who'd passed. That's fine. I think that's a good thing to do. But there was something about living, being connected to the dead. I don't know what it was about. You know, everybody, I want to encourage you when, and everybody who'd been baptized today, the Bible says your old life is buried and hidden in Christ. Can I encourage you? Don't visit the grave of who you were. Now you're a Christian. Don't visit the grave. No picnic blanket. No camping out. Leave the old bloke buried. Your old life. Leave your girls. Leave your, leave it hidden and buried, and don't visit again. Say right, I'm out of there. That's the old me, buried and hidden from today. I'm going to move on into God's plan for my life, because God has raised us into a grace-filled life. He's raised us into a light-filled life. I love it. The world after I became a Christian became lighter. It was like the sky got bluer. I got lighter on the inside. I need to get a bit lighter on the outside, but I got lighter on the inside as I was forgiven. And also, just the, the lightness of God's presence inside began to change me. And then externally, I just felt like, why? Is that, is this, was the sky always this blue? Now, in Perth, we know it's blue, but it was really blue. And I felt like, hang on, Lord, you are doing a work in me that even the world has become more light-filled to me. You know, on the other side of baptism, I said it already, but I just say it again. The other side of baptism is purpose. You lay down your old life, and I want to encourage every man, every woman, every young man, young lady got baptized. Be after God now to say, Lord, I need to walk in the purpose that you've created me for. And uh, because you need to know that it's not like, hey, you got baptized, now it's over. No, baptism is the start of the purpose. It's the start. You're on the other side, now walking to the purpose and the plan that God has for your life. And who would have known for me and Sue, you know, God would have taken us around the world. We would have planted a church in London. I'm from Sydney. Would have gone and worked in Eastern Europe 19 times, been to Japan with the gospel, planted a church in Africa now, planted a church in Germany. Who would have known from my small, broken life in the Bronx in Sydney, which is where I ended up before I became a Christian, that God would do such a thing? But God's purpose for you is great. God's purpose is large. Everybody has an important purpose. And I discovered, wow, Lord, no wonder the enemy tried to knock me out. He knocked my dad out through alcoholism and then knocked our family out through poverty. And then we had grief and pain and mental illness. No wonder the devil did all that because he knew that if we went for God, we'd be dangerous. I want to encourage you, determine, I'm going to go for God and be dangerous. Hello, not, not to people, but dangerous in letting God use you to become part of seeing people delivered into God's kingdom.
you know, we say, how do we be saved? You know, there was a uh, religious Pharisee. He was an old, uh, old man, Nicodemus. And in John chapter 3, he comes to Jesus. He's seeing the miracles of Jesus. He's hearing Jesus' words. This Pharisee who should not be saying anything to Jesus, he is absolutely captivated by his words, his life, the miracles. And in John 3, he comes to Jesus and says, verse 2 of John 3, after dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus and he said, Rabbi, which means teacher. He said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. He goes, what do you mean? Exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man like me go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. Jesus was saying right there to this religious Pharisee, he's saying to him, until you're born by the Holy Spirit, being born again, received, received uh, by faith, salvation, you cannot even see the kingdom of God. Can't see it. I know exactly what Jesus is talking about there. Because when, when some of my family started becoming Christians, I didn't know what they were talking about. I didn't know what they were talking about with God. I had no clue what they were talking about Jesus. I couldn't understand the Bible. My mom started saying to me, God's going to save you. You're going to become a Christian. God's going to use you. I'd say, shut up. What are you saying that to me for? What, what are you? I don't say, what are you even saying to me? I got no clue what you're saying to me. Stop saying it to me. She'd go, no, you're going to become a Christian. You're going to get saved. God's going to use you. I'm like, what? Shut up. I don't even know. What are you saying? I don't know what you're saying. I couldn't see anything of Jesus, Christianity, I had no clue what was going on. But the day that I received Christ into my life, something changed. I felt a change. And the next day I woke up. And when I woke up, I knew I'm going to heaven. I'm going to heaven. I prayed a prayer the night before, said to God, I'm sorry for my sin. I woke up and I went, I'm going to heaven. I, I knew I'm going to heaven. No one told me. No one said you're going to heaven now. But I woke up and I'm like, I'm going to heaven. God had opened my eyes. I started to see the power of knowing Jesus. I started to see, oh my gosh, you're, you're not just an answer in life. You are life. <laughs> you're life. You're, you're not just one of the truths that people say, oh, this is my truth. I went, oh my goodness, Jesus, you are the truth. Then I read it in the Bible, John 14, 6. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth. No one comes to the Father but through me, Jesus said. And I was like, oh my goodness, I can see. I can see. It was spiritual. Only Humans can reproduce human life, but only the Holy Spirit can give birth to spiritual life. Everybody, Jesus has made exclusive claims about himself. He's never, ever claimed just to be a good teacher, moral teacher. Jesus made exclusive claims. That's why they crucified him, because he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He said, I and the Father are one. Jesus was proclaiming, if you want to know God, you're looking at him. His claims were exclusive 
to all other faiths and religions, and he was declaring, I am God. Even Buddha, who has followers all around the world, Buddha never once said, I'm God. And even if you see his tomb, he was still on a journey. Yet people have deified him and made him to be a God, but he never declared it himself. But Jesus said, I, I am he, the, um, the blind man who was healed. And he said, who is the God? Who is the, who's the person who healed me? Who must I thank? Who, who is, and he said, you're talking to him. <laughs> Jesus was exclusive. You know, one of the reasons I came to Christ too as well was intellectually. I would start to think, even at the end of my 10 years, I began to think, hang on, this Jesus ministered for three years. I failed my driver's license twice within that period. <laughs> Jesus has changed the whole world in three years. He never traveled more than 100 miles. There was no Facebook, no Instagram, no TikTok. Actually, there'll be no TikTok any longer, shortly. There was no communication. And Jesus speaks for three years and never traveled more than 100 miles. And then two to three billion people are following him. I'm like, what? Doesn't make sense. Unless he's God. Then I remember in school they had religious teaching. And they were teaching about the early church. And I remember the number being so huge. Came back to me later in life. The early church quickly grew to 200, 300,000 people. They, as far as they knew, Jesus was getting crucified and then killed. And that faith was done. But the church grew to 200, 300,000 people, no Instagram, no Facebook, no telephone, no mobile phone. And the only reason that 200 to 300,000 people, predominantly Jewish people, Gentiles as well, Romans as well, but predominantly Jewish, were turning to him was because he was risen from the dead. He was risen from the dead. Only reason. And history bears out that the 12 Disciples who ran off in fear and Peter denied Jesus, all were, uh, bar John, were martyred horribly for their faith. They didn't leave. They stayed with Jesus. They ended up giving their lives for him. Jesus appeared to the 12, the 500, it says in Corinthians, and then began to appear to the, the early church before Jesus ascended into heaven. That church grew rapidly. It was not a career move to be Jewish and join the Christian faith. It, there was no career move in that. You were going to be probably ostracized from your family. Your social standing would end. But all of it was happening in the Jewish people being changed and coming to faith in Christ. Why? Because Jesus was alive and he was risen from the dead. He was alive and risen from the dead. And then Jesus, throughout history, I'm looking at, you know, how did we get that in history? How did hospitals happen? Well, hospitals happened because God touched people's hearts. I don't know if you know this, but go back in 150, 200 years, people did not care about other people. It was dog eat dog. They're going on about slavery today. Well, slavery was how people did life. The Irish were enslaved. I want rep reparation. The Irish were enslaved. Slavery was everywhere. People treated each other with disdain. If you were sick and dying, people would walk over you. Do you know how that changed? That changed because God touched hearts. God touched a young lady's heart named Florence Nightingale. She helped create hospitals and care for the sick and the poor. William Booth got touched, started the Salvation Army, went out into the streets, leading people to Christ and helping the sick and the poor. Then we had... Uh, 
God touched hearts of William Wilberforce in the UK. He's a Christian. God touched him and says, start to work to the abolish slavery. Listen, this was not happening because um, people just thought, hey, I want to do that. It happened because God is alive. Jesus is alive. And He touched the hearts of men to bring about change on planet Earth. Whoa. So my intellect was operating. I'm thinking, hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. Then I looked at history. History's been changed. Art, music, some of the greatest pieces of music in the world. I love classical music. I love R&B too, but I love classical music. And some of the best and most amazing pieces have been written to His glory. Some of the most beautiful artworks painted to His glory. One person. The most incredible sculptures created for one person who ministered for three years. What? Intellectually doesn't make sense unless he's the savior of the world and I also had an issue that I never ever believed myself that I just you know somehow hundreds of years ago thousands of years ago millions of years ago billions of years ago whatever you want to come up with that somehow in some primordial soup suddenly a cricket turned into a fish a fish suddenly flew then it became a gorilla. Then the gorilla had a shave at Lakeside Joondalup in the Barbers. And now here I am today. Everybody, I'm far more complex than that. I'm more complex than that. You are complex. Look at the person next to you. That person is complexity sitting on a chair. What does the Bible say about you? Made in the image of God. The other thing is I would go to the zoo and think, why are these monkeys and these chimpanzees and gorillas, why didn't they evolve? Did they get the unlucky evolving card? Everybody evolved into us, but you guys, bad luck, didn't evolve. Now you're locked in pursuit. That's a gorilla with an attitude, right? Didn't get the evolving email. But when I heard the Bible, you're made in the image of God, created in His likeness. Fearfully and wonderfully made is what the Bible says about your creation. So like, like Nicodemus, I had to leave the paradigm of Jesus was just a good moral teacher and move to the paradigm of He is the Savior of the world. He's the Lord of the universe. And salvation even changed me psychologically, which some would say was a good thing. But I began to think differently. By that, what do I mean? My thinking was healed. My thinking was corrupted before, was wrong, out, damaged. God began to get me to think rightly about life and about eternity and about what's important. If you think you're too far from God, worship team, you can come and join me. Romans 2 says this, for everybody who thinks they're too far, says, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant and patient God is with you? Oh my goodness. Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that His kindness is intended to turn you from sin? Everybody, the Bible says God is wonderfully kind. He's tolerant and patient with us. And it's actually His kindness that leads us to repentance. You need to know God would rather have an imperfect son, an imperfect daughter, than have no son or daughter at all. I turn from making someone else my God. I turn from making things my God. Can I encourage you today? I pray that you will turn too. And I pray that you will turn to Jesus and that you will make Him God.
God because He truly is. One of the things that for me is such a value in my life is truth. I, I hate deception. can't bear it. I grew up in a family, sadly because of my dad's addictions and his pain from his parents. My dad wasn't bad. He was broken, as many of us are and were. And my dad would be deceptive. He'd always say, I'm going to do this. Never did it. I'll turn up then. Never did. What time are you coming, Dad? Nine o'clock. Be there at three. Always never true. I say to Sue, gee, I hope God's true. I hope Jesus will be true to us. I hope he's true. Everybody, next February, I've been a Christian 40 years. Now, now I say that not to say, yay, 40 years. I say that to say, God is true. God is true. Jesus is the truth. I used to hope he was, given our life here, following God. Now I go, he's the truth. If you want truth in your life, you want to walk in truth now? He is truth. Can we give him a great, great hand? Come on, can somebody give the Lord a great hand? Come on, can somebody in the 10 a.m. family give him a great hand? Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us. And special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus, both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.